AEW Dynamite bounces back in the ratings this week. NXT surprisingly takes a fall. Kenta debuts in AEW, and Edge makes an appearance on NXT. We talk about it all next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, the ratings are in. And while I'm not surprised AEW bounced back, I am surprised at the ratings for NXT this week. AEW Dynamite does bounce back. They went from a .29 to a .32 this week in the 18 and 49 demographic, gaining 110,000 total viewers back to 844,000 viewers this week. NXT dropped out of the top 50 again, a .15 this week after getting a .21 last week. 610,000 viewers compared to last week's 720,000 total viewers. So, Ralph, NXT lost 110 viewers, 110,000 total viewers. AEW Dynamite gained 110,000 total viewers despite the promoted appearance of Edge. I'm surprised by this. I've got to be honest. Uh, I, I am surprised, more surprised about NXT than anything else this week because Edge is a big name. He's somebody that was really big during both the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era. And mm-hmm. especially coming off the tail end of him winning the Royal Rumble, you would think that uh, you know the viewership would increase and the ratings would increase. Even the numbers for Raw, for what it's worth, were impressive for that night. But it's not like they were anywhere above where they normally are on a weekly basis. I think we right. probably both agree on that. Yeah. Um. So so the NXT numbers are are kind of this are they are certainly disappointing for anybody within WWE AEW. That's pretty typical of where they are. Certainly, it's up from last week. Uh, they have a lot of stuff that's going in their favor right now, especially considering um the partnerships that they have working with Impact, and now we know that there's some type of relationship with New Japan. That's all newsworthy stuff. So in comparison, you know, what are people going to tune into? I think the biggest thing is this. Last night made it very clear to me and maybe to some other people on Wednesday nights, you're going to get a pro wrestling show and you're going to get a sports entertainment show Mm -hmm. to me. AEW certainly in some situations is more sports entertainment than pro wrestling uh, in comparison to NXT. NXT had a, has a tournament going on. They have guys that go out there and consistently perform in the ring and that's all great. But let's be honest here. As Americans, we love storylines. We love drama. That's why whether it's politics, whether it's movies, whether it's entertainment, if it's boring, if it's, you know, something that people can't really sink their teeth into, it's not going to draw. People aren't going to pay attention. And pro wrestling is very good in the ring uh, on NXT on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. But there's really not a whole lot there for us to get invested in. And that's their problem, I think, on a weekly basis. And I think that's a reflection of what the numbers show from last night. Yeah, I mean, one thing is Edge was not promoted on actual television. It was promoted on social media, so maybe that's where part of the drop comes in. And also, you're I think you hit the nail right on the head. NXT is a pro wrestling show. You're going to have some great pro wrestling matches, but AEW does use storylines. They do sports entertainment, and that is going to relate to better ratings, I think, and eventually have more of a diverse audience. I think both of them still have that very targeted, uh, concentrated, mostly male 18 to 49 demo rate uh, um, audience. But I think eventually when you continue these storylines and they get more engaging, as long as they continue what they're doing and improve on it, 
AEW should increase as the time goes on. Yes, it's been a year and some odd change, almost two years, and they're viewership wise have been the same ratings wise about the same, but as trends continue, it, it could be that they will increase, but all right, let's get into the actual shows themselves. We'll start with AEW dynamite, Ralph, the battle Royale to determine the number one contenders for the AEW tag team championship. Also included in this is the young bucks. If they win, they choose their opponents and already alluded to the fact that they would choose the Good Brothers, if they do win this Battle Royal, they do not win. In fact, it's Chris Jericho and MJF that win the Battle Royal. But I will say, this match, it furthered some storylines, even possibly creating some new ones. We had members of the Dark Order eliminating some members of the Inner Circle and vice versa. John Silver eliminating Jake Hager. Santana and Ortiz eliminating John Silver. We also had the Good Brothers helping with the elimination of Private Party and the Young Bucks. Uh, MJF eliminated Nick Jackson. Also, Sammy Guevara getting inadvertently eliminated by Chris Jericho uh, before he eliminates one of the members of the Acclaim for the victory. I thought this was a very good start to AEW Dynamite and a very good battle royal considering usually these things can get kind of clunky. I did not feel it was clunky at all. No, I, I, I don't think it was clunky. And I think it had certain spots that, you know, made sense as far as the eliminations are concerned. And I know a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. I know some people have reservations about who won the match, but I think that that's the main focal point of this whole thing. You know, this is really meant to build tension between the inner circle. And as we saw later on in the night, they kind of made you think that, okay, well, maybe Jericho is actually getting double-crossed by MJF, as you saw when uh, Jericho followed Sammy Guevara out of the locker room. And MJF was like, look, we guys, guys, we got to talk about something. I feel like they've been building on this for, for months now. Um, and we might mm-hmm. see something happen, something big happen, maybe in the not-too-distant future. So that was the point of the match, I think, just to really highlight Jericho and MJF. I don't have a problem with them winning because I think that ultimately you still got the Bucks who are champions. This is going to lead to some type of tension between the inner circle that will have a big development at some point, I would think. And if you look at the tag teams right now, there's really not anybody that's hot. There's really not anybody that needs to be in that title picture. Uh, the Good Brothers certainly don't need to be in that title picture with everything that's going on with them. So I don't have a problem with it. I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't I don't mind it. Um Seeing that FTR was suspended from right. this battle royale, they didn't want to do the rematch of the Bucks and FTR, or they want to continue the storyline with Jurassic Express and FTR. I'm okay with it. We've already seen them face the acclaimed. Santana and Ortiz are kind of put on the back burner with the inner circle. So I'm actually okay with Jericho and MJF here. Maybe they end up winning the tag titles at Revolution just to further this wedge in the inner circle where. It was supposed to be either Hager or Sammy Guevara teaming with Jericho to help to dominate the tag team division or the fact that you have Santana Ortiz in the yeah. tag team division. Yeah. So I don't want to assume something's going to happen here, but we'll see where it goes. That's what I'll say with that. But uh, one thing that we can now assume is that Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez are heading to the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Classic. They open up NXT this week and... I think Casey Cananzaro and Caden Carter shined in this opening match. Despite the losing effort, they used their quickness and agility to avoid the offense of Gonzalez and Kai throughout this match. I mean, there was a part where Carter was taking a beating from Gonzalez, helped set up a great hot tag sequence from Casey Cananzaro. 
which led to Casey Cannizzaro jumping off one of the rigs of the staging onto Dakota Kai. Only thing, though, there was a blemish in this where there was a botch uh, false finish. Casey hitting this new uh, senton move that she's doing. Dakota Kai was late in the in the save, so there had to be this weird, awkward kick out from Raquel Gonzalez. But Gonzalez eventually gets the win for the team by choke slam. There, I thought this was a great opening match. Casey and Caden get better and better each week. I see them on NXT. They do. Uh, I I am actually not a fan of the finisher, and, and I think that's probably more so because I've been kind of conditioned, and I think most wrestling fans have been conditioned to seeing any aerial maneuvers that we see in a match. It's it's the wrestlers are landing on on the other wrestler like on their stomach. And to mm-hmm. me, it just kind of looks a little strange when she's landing on her back, almost like she's botching the move. And even this week, I, I, she didn't land at flush. She kind of landed no. feet first. But um, that being said, for sure, this was a really good showing by all parties involved. They showed their athleticism. I like the hot tag part that you were talking about as well. Um, you know, I think the right team won. And, you know, sometimes a team or an individual losing, as long as they look good in a losing effort, that can do a lot for them. So. Uh, hopefully they continue to do something with these two because uh, I, th- I think they're really starting to come into their own. Right. It's not about whether you win or lose. It's about how you win or lose. That determines whether or not you're going to get booked stronger. And if you look good in a losing effort, there's definitely some promise there. Yeah. Now let's look at back at AEW dynamite sting and Darby Allen are in the ring. And we learned that Darby Allen will face Joey Janela next week for the TNT championship. Tony Schiavone is trying to start the conversation, but is quickly interrupted by Team Taz, who says they'll be at ringside next week. You also got Richie, Ricky Stark saying that Sting, uh, when I see your eyes, I don't see the icon anymore. Sting responding by saying, maybe you need to take a closer look. It was a, it was a rather short segment, but I thought effective. Now, Joey Janela being the number one contender or the person facing Darby next week, I would question seeing that we haven't seen him in such a long time, but let's see where this goes next week. Well, this, this is one of the low lights for AEW for me. And that that's because it's underwhelming at this point. You know, I, I kind of feel like we've seen this segment week in and week out now, pretty much since uh, Sting's debut, more or less like, and this is something we talk about all the time. There's only so much they're going to be able to do with Sting. I don't expect them to go out there and wrestle on a weekly basis or get physical mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, you know, the 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 weekly Tony Schiavone love fest where he calls Sting out and we get that. I, it, I mean, to me, this storyline hasn't really progressed in three or four weeks now. Um, you know, you, you kind of talked about it with with Darby Allen and Joey Janela. How long is the match going to go? I guess we'll kind of see how what that match is all about. Um, uh, to me, the, that title with Cody and, and Brody Lee obviously having having that title, uh, the open challenge, the matches between Cody and Brody, they really helped cement that as one of the top titles in AEW. Uh, I'd like to see Darby uh, defend the title a little bit more, and I'd like to see him defend it against maybe some more credible people. Joey Janela, I mean, like you said, when's the last time we've seen the guy? Um, I, so I'm fine with it as them? long as the, it, yeah, probably. And, 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 you know, that, that's, that's maybe one of AEW's Achilles heel where, you know, some of the guys that may be lower on the totem pole in terms of, I wouldn't say talent, but just in terms of, um, their ceiling where we could see them actually going in the company. Sometimes those matches go a little bit longer than they need to be. Cody and, mm-hmm. and Peter Avalon is probably the, 
the, the most recent example of that. So, you know, how long are they going to give these to? Um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's just my feeling on it. I feel like I, I'm ready to see the match. I want to see the match. I want to see something different between these two groups because, you know, I, I'm not against the feud itself. I just wish there was more that they could do with Sting and Darby to build this dynamic between the, 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 two, the two teams. Right. No, I get what you're saying. And who knows? Maybe it is end up being like a, a, a schmoz and it's only like five minutes because Team Taz is coming in. Sting is coming in and we really don't get much of a match, but helps progress the storyline with the street fight. Who knows? But a match that definitely got some time this week and thank God it did. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. I thought this was a very, very physical match. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Finally, we get a women's match that's not right before the main event. Unfortunately, we still get picture-in-picture treatment for them. They still get significant time despite that. Uh, Early parts of this match were spent outside, very physical. You have Thunder Rosa doing a good job focusing on the hand of Britt Baker used for the lockjaw. Towards the end, there was a great, chain wrestling sequence here where Baker was trying to do the lock jaw. You have Thunder Rosa reversing it into roll up pins, near falls. Very good there. Eventually we see rebel remove the cover off of one of the turnbuckles that eventually Thunder Rosa will hit, get knocked out. Britt Baker hits the lock jaw. She, uh, Thunder Rosa is incapacitated to answer Paul Turner and Britt Baker gets the win there. I thought, if not one of them, maybe the best women's match we've seen on AEW Dynamite. Yeah, you know, I, the one thing that I will say is this. Thunder Rosa, she had a lot of uh, momentum and steam coming into AEW the, when she did. You know, a lot of people knew who she was. A lot of people knew how talented she was. I think that when Britt Baker first came into AEW, right around the beginning of, you know, the formation of AEW, a lot of people were talking about her and there was a lot of pressure on her to perform at a high level. And at first, she more than most certainly didn't live up to the expectation, I think, that a lot right. of people had for her. Right. Um, what we've seen over the past, I don't know, let's say six months from her just kind of coming into her own in this character, um, not even character, because I feel like she's just really kind of being her snarky self. Um, little things. You know, I love the way when she comes out, something as simple as when she does the DMD thing and she like goes along with it. Just yeah. little things like that to show that. She's confident in herself and Mm -hmm. not only is she confident in herself on the promo side of things and being the heel, but last night it really showed that she's really doing the work behind the scenes to get better in the ring because these two, unless it was some weird fluke in between the chemistry of them, I thought this was hands down one of the better showings that we've seen from the women's division a really long time in AEW. I thought it was a really, really good match. I actually watched it back twice. Um, I know people are talking about the ending. What's that? You're shocked that I watched it twice? Two more times after the original time, yes. Well, to be fair, the first time, last night was the first time in a really long time that I was going back and forth between the two shows. Normally, I'll I'll watch AEW, then watch NXT afterwards. I was Mm -hmm. just waiting for Edge to come out, so I was going back and forth. So I watched it going back and forth a little, and then I watched it back fully. Um, You know, I know people are talking about the end of the match. Uh, being a little botched. I really didn't think it was that bad after I watched it back. So, you know, I, I, I didn't notice a, really a botch. No, I didn't notice a botch. Either, I just looked but... a little, it just looked a little, it just looked a little clunky maybe, but I mean, it wasn't that bad. No, no, I, I, I don't think so either. But 
After that on AEW Dynamite, we see Matt Hardy and Hangman Page going up, going up against the Chaos Project, basically an extended squash. Matt Hardy tags himself in to steal the pin from Hangman Page. We also get the news that the Women's Eliminator Tournament competitors uh, will have one bracket from the U.S., one bracket from Japan. We also found out that Shaq and Jade will face Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet on the March 3rd episode of AEW Dynamite. And while all this is happening, we go to NXT. And you brought up, I was waiting to see where Edge is coming in. This is where Edge shows up. Uh, Pete Dunne first comes out with Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan calling out Finn Balor. Finn Balor comes out, accepts the challenge for the NXT Championship. We'll see that match at NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day on February 14th, and that's when Edge comes out. He says how NXT helped brought his passion back to get back into the ring after nine years. Also said a very interesting thing, which we kind of talked about already, Ralph. He says NXT, while Raw and SmackDown are more about the E in WWE, NXT focuses on that second W. And then alluding to uh, saying that he has his eye on the NXT Championship, and we'll be watching that match at Vengeance Day. I thought this was a very good segment. I thought he, to the best of his abilities, putting over NXT, putting over these two guys, and extending the story that, you know what, we don't know what Edge is going to do next. And I like where this is going. I do like where this is going. I thought it was a very good segment. Edge is always really good, and and just about any of the segments where he's trying to promote a match or, you know, build drama towards anything. So I, I thought it was really good. The one thing uh, that I obviously I'm disappointed in is that this is happening during this pandemic era, because this really is mm-hmm. the low time for NXT. NXT was on yep. fire right before the the pandemic. They had guys like Adam Cole that were at their peak. They had guys like Johnny Gargano, guys like Chamaso Champa. And, you know, unfortunately, right now, anybody who's followed NXT for a really long time, um, they're just not where they once were. Right. I don't know if realistically Edge is going to choose whether it's Karrion Cross, whether it ends up being Finn Balor or somebody else to challenge for that championship title. But I feel like had this been um, before the pandemic, that era that I was talking about around that time where fans were really into NXT and it had their loyal following. um, it would have been a bigger moment and people would have appreciated a lot more and it would have had a bigger impact and been a little more believable because, you know, I think just right now, NXT, nobody honestly thinks that edge is going to challenge for that title. So, but you never know. Cause Charlotte, you wouldn't think that she would challenge for the NXT women's championship last year. She ended up not only doing so, but winning it. Now, if edge were to do it, you know, that would be very interesting. And it seems like Drew and Sheamus have their storyline. Roman can do something with Daniel Bryan. And Mm -hmm. then you could uh, theoretically use the legend to put over the young guy, which is all people want anyway. Or at least that's the main complaint is they're not putting over the young guys or putting the legends in the forefront. Well, you get the legend in the big match like Vince wants putting over the young guy, whether that is going to be Pete Dunne, Finn Balor or Karrion Cross. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. As after this on NXT, we got Tony Storm facing Jesse Kamea, quickly ending after interference from Mercedes Martinez. Storm and Martinez fought while Io Shirai comes out, waiting for her moment to do a moonsault on both of them. After that, Santos Escobar retains the NXT Cruiserweight title against Kurt Stallion. While this is happening, Scarlett is 
watching uh, from the platform. And Escobar is, you know, keeping his eye on Scarlett during this match. After the match, though, Karrion Cross comes out, pretty much says he's giving Santos Escobar time, facing the inevitable that his time will be up. Tick tock, run along. But also, before the commercial break, heading before the main event, Ralph, Edge is asked by a producer about challenging for the NXT title. Mm-hmm. And that's where Edge is approached by Karrion Cross saying, It won't be done. It won't be Balor. It will be me that you'll be facing at WrestleMania if you come for this title. And they had a very good shot of both of them just staring into each other's eyes. And that right there felt like a money match moment right there for me, if they decide to go that route. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, if they decided to go any route where Edge decides he's going to challenge for the the NXT championship rather than Raw or SmackDown uh, championship, I think that Karrion Cross is the better choice, not from like a match standpoint, because I think Edge and Finn Balor would have an amazing match. Finn Balor, Finn Balor doesn't need it. You know, Finn Balor essentially was sent to NXT, in my opinion, to help them with the ratings. And it hasn't necessarily worked out the way that they hoped. Um, but I think that if Edge is going to put anybody over, it should be Karrion Cross because yes. that guy is going to go to the main roster and. I'd imagine be similar to, you know, it's only been a week with Damian Priest, but you would think they have big plans for him. And I'd imagine they would have big plans for Karrion Cross as well. Yes, I, I, I agree. Like, I think at this point, you have the pieces there, whether that is Karrion Cross, Damian Priest, or Keith Lee. Like, that's who I think will be potentially the breakout stars for WWE this coming year. Now, yeah. Whether you mean breakout star in eventually becoming a number one contender for either the WWE or Universal Champion or a first a future Money in the Bank winner or just a guy that is heavily involved in big storylines. I think all that is possible with one of these three guys. Making Karrion Cross in a high-profile match for the NXT Championship at WrestleMania against Edge automatically puts him in there, especially if he ends up winning the thing. So yeah. hopefully that happens. But so... Ralph, we talk about sports entertainment versus pro wrestling earlier on. Here's where the entertainment comes in. And that is the the wedding of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, which is eventually crashed by Orange Cassidy. Officiating the wedding, Ralph, is Sinister Minister James Mitchell. I was looking at this and I'm like, I recognize this guy, but I couldn't put the name to the face yet for some reason. Yes, exactly. ECW. I did my research and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. ECW. Sinister Minister. When I first looked at him, I was thinking Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon. Did you ever see the movie Flash Gordon? No. You know, go watch it. It's a, you know, it's one of those terrible, so bad it's good. So bad it's good movies, but Queen does the soundtrack for it. It's awesome. Just, just to listen for the Queen. Nonetheless, uh, Mero, being an expert in wedding segments in wrestling, avoids the minister from asking for objections. He tries to break open the box that was a gift from Charles the butler, mm-hmm. thinking someone was in the box. Then Mero tries to give his speech, starts it off with What is Love, which eventually leads to a sing-along of the song What is Love by Hathaway from the crowd. During this time, though, Charles manages to handcuff Marrow from the ankle to the corner of the ring. Orange Cassidy pops up from the cake, ruins the wedding. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, like, good either. But that's what you come with these wedding segments. 
it was exactly probably what most people would expect it to be. I mean, let's be honest. If, if you pulled people and asked, where's Orange Cassidy coming out of? Most people would have said, he's either going to come as a present or he's going to come out of the cake. Exactly. Um, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. The ending of it was exactly how I would envision it to have been. Um, you know, was it good? Was it bad? I, it's not my favorite thing. Um, right. I'm not going to crap on it because I, you know, it, it, it was a, it was an entertaining segment to, I'm sure the people who enjoy that type of stuff. Do I, am I into right. that? Not necessarily, but you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. But I think here, here's the thing. Like people wanted Rusev when Rusev was being booked in a wedding like segment on raw. They're like, this is so bad for Rusev. He needs to go to AEW. He'd be so much better. And here he is doing a wedding segment on AEW. And they were pretty much the same thing. There was nothing really different. Yeah. The only thing that was missing was someone from the back in AEW doing some lesbianic segment saying that they fell in love with Penelope Ford. That's the right. only thing this was missing. Everything else was exactly the same. So... I don't know if people are saying, oh, I love this wedding segment on AEW, but hate it in WWE. I think either you like both or you hate both, but maybe and, the comment section can let us know that. And and, and so now we're kind of having a different conversation here because first we're talking about the segment itself, and now we're transitioning into uh, the questioning and the booking of Miro since his debut in AEW, which we can probably do an entire episode on. Do I like what they've probably. done with him to this point? Uh, no, obviously not, because he's one of those guys that a lot of people have a lot of faith in and say that he's he was held down by the, the WWE's creative system. Maybe he is right. and maybe he wasn't. But to this point, I can't confidently say that Miro is capable of doing anything other than segments like this or segments like we've seen him in in WWE because he hasn't shown that he's capable of that. Um, another side note to my point earlier that that, you know, there's an entertainment show that goes on or a certain portion of aw is entertainment uh i think the segment the the wedding segment on raw was one of their highest what highest viewed segments of over the past x amount of years or something like yeah. that it was so, the highest it was the highest third hour for the entire year in 2019 and it was the last week of the year yeah and i, I like that was in hartford that was in hartford so that's like what a 35, 40 minute drive from us. Yep. And I was like, maybe I'll go to this show. Let's see what, what they promote. And they promoted the wedding. I'm like, nope, not going. Like, that was the reason I didn't go. I didn't watch it. And then I looked at the ratings the next day and it was like, it did what? <laughs> it was like the highest viewed third hour of the entire year. Goes to show you, wrestling does not always draw. Entertainment sometimes draws yeah. more than wrestling. Look you at all the top shows, Scratch your head on man. these ratings things. Look at all the top shows, whether it's, you know, Housewives or The Challenge, whatever, it, the news, it, it doesn't matter, man. People can get invested in drama. They they gossip. That's what we do as humans. Like, yep. Yep. you know, it's, it's not all about the five-star match. Sometimes you got to have a good balance of stuff. And, you know, us as wrestling fans, we may look at that and say, you know what, that's stupid. I hate it. But somewhere, somebody enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if you look at YouTube right now, that is one of the highest viewed segments from this past week yep. on AEW's yep. uh, YouTube channel. But 
Before we head to the main event, we had on AEW Dynamite, Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston in the Lumberjack match. Lance Archer wins. little chaotic. We saw Bear Country putting one of the guys from Butcher and the Blade through a table. Um, Allie almost got a blackout. That you know, it was a it was a decent match for what it was. But you talk about five star matches, and I think we got five star matches from both these shows last night. On NXT, we got the upset. Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher not only beating Undisputed Era, but beating them clean. Match started with a stalemate between Ciampa and Cole, followed by uh, both isolating their opponents in the corner at one point. Ciampa turns around to talk crap at Adam Cole, which gives Strong the opportunity to take advantage with a small flurry of offense. Ciampa tags in Thatcher. All uh, All four guys get into the ring to start uh, beat down on each other. This heads into commercial after the break though. Timothy Thatcher has strong in various submissions leading to a superplex by strong leads to a hot tag by Adam Cole series of near falls Thatcher and Champa take back control of the match isolate strong while Cole uh, is outside, but strong breaks away able to tag in Adam Cole. They're, they were trying to do a backbreaker Panama sunrise combo, but Thatcher pulls Cole to the outside Strong tries to take out Thatcher, but when he comes in, Champa's there with Widow's Bell for the win. Very good closing match here. I thought these guys were were physical. I thought there was some good spots. I thought the sequencing was good. The chemistry was great with all of them. Thatcher and Champa, they could be a very big part in the tag team division. I know people would like to see Thatcher and Champa more as single stars, but let them be a tag team. I like them where they are. No, I agree. And that was one of the things we've talked about in the past, just like kind of what are they doing with Tommaso Ciampa? So if he has to be in this um, tournament and he's going to tag with Thatcher and that's going to keep him occupied, but still kind of at the, you know, the forefront of the storylines here, I'm all for it because honestly, right right now, look, you got edge there. He might be incorporated in the top storyline. Santos Escobar, Karrion Cross, all those guys. So those, those are the guys right now that are going to get the attention. Um, but at least him in this position, that's good for him because he's doing something that still keeps him um, in the public eye, so to speak. Right, right, exactly. And especially when NXT and, and WWE in general, they're just so depleted in tag teams that they just need to build a giant tag team division. And it could include Champa. It can include uh, Champa and Thatcher. It can include Undisputed Era. There's you got like six teams out of the Dusty Road Classic you could build a division with, and hopefully this leads to you know some of these guys getting good pushes in in Raw or SmackDown. But we know where this leads to with tag teams. Did uh did we skip over the most irrelevant faction in all of wrestling right now? What faction Not, is that? Johnny Gargano in the way. Yeah, I mean there wasn't really much for them this week. Uh, well, Austin terrible. Austin Theory. Um. You know, he beat Leon Ruff and not much to that match. It was a decent match. He got his hair cut off by Dexter Loomis. We know that Kushida's facing Gargano for the North American Championship. So it is what it is. Move on. Exactly. Move on. Move on to the main event of AEW Dynamite that I think a lot of people are talking about when it comes to, you know, match of the night. This one, I think, could be it. You have the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega going up against John Moxley, Pac, and Ray Phoenix. I really liked how in the beginning and going through the commercial break, you had Kenny and the Good Brothers tagging in and isolating John Moxley, helping set up what probably was the best sequence 
of the night. That hot tag sequence from Ray Phoenix. He's going all over the place, doing his hops, doing his jumps, his flips, leading to a double moonsault with him and Pac on the Good Brothers. Kenny does take back control, though, as Kenny kicks the ropes from under Phoenix's feet while attempting one of his springboard moves. Later on, Kenny tries to do a one-wing angel on Pac, but is reversed into... um, or But is reversed. Pac is isolated with Mox and Phoenix on Kenny Omega. They get a near fall. After the chaos that ensues in the ring, everyone is jumping in and out. Ray Phoenix almost jumps over the barricade on a tope suicida that he tries to flip over. That was crazy. You also had Kenny trying to pin Moxley, but Pac is there to break it up with the black arrow. Moxley tags in Ray Phoenix, who eventually gets pinned after a magic killer from the Good Brothers. The, the chaos continues as you see Lance Archer coming in to clear out the Good Brothers. But the thing everybody's talking about, as Moxley and Kenny Omega are in the ring left alone, we see a man in a hoodie, masked up, attacking John Moxley. And who does it appear to be but Kenta? They get a good close-up of him. He talks to John Moxley. Closing shot is him looking at John Moxley. People are talking about it. It seems like that forbidden door is finally open, Ralph. And I think this was big considering that New Japan just announced their TV deal with Roku channel this morning. So that definitely helped. Uh, obviously creating buzz. This definitely helped New Japan today. Obviously leading to the story with Moxley and Kenta for the United States Championship, which is happening later this month. Big. This is big. I think this is a big deal now. I'd like to see where this goes because I think, as I saw with a lot of people on social media, I could agree with them. It's a big deal for a lot of AEW fans, which it definitely is, but they, those that watch AEW are already watching New Japan. They're already watching Impact. So does this create domestically more viewers? I say no right now, but internationally, reaching into Japan, for New Japan Pro Wrestling, reaching mm-hmm. into India for Impact Wrestling, I think that's going to help them internationally. And of course, as wrestling fans that love both AEW and New Japan, the dream matches are starting. Well, this opens the door, no pun intended, for those dream matches to potentially happen. Um, and, and let's just be honest here, and we've talked about this in the past. The partnership between AEW and Impact heavily favored Impact just because AEW on a national level is the number two pro wrestling company right now in the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, them working with other smaller promotions, NWA, obviously, uh, it seems like there is some type of relationship there as well. Um, that has its limitations. Now, them working with New Japan Pro Wrestling and potential big time matchups, whether it's a rematch between Tanahashi. Or, I'm sorry, Naito and Jericho, um, whether mm-hmm. it is it's a match between. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the one that I think probably Jericho. Well, I don't know which one he's more well known for, but well, let's say both of them. They're both big matches. But the one match I think that most people are looking forward to with this door being swung open, if it truly is swung fully wide open, is Omega and Okada. That's the money right. match. That's the thing that potentially could be the next big thing in wrestling. And that's what we're going to find out. A lot of people debate this. Okay, how big is pro wrestling? It's niche. It's this, it's that. WWE has its loyal fan base. It's dwindled a little, but you know, for the most part, WrestleMania season, Royal Rumble season, 
they can turn it around. People are interested. And, and this mm-hmm. is, it's not going to change, especially with their new Peacock deal. Right. We're about to find out how big of a reach the pro wrestling industry has outside of that WWE fan base. Because if AEW's numbers don't grow from this, you know, viewership wise, ratings wise, if they can't get anywhere within the next slate, let's say we'll give them, would you say six months is fair to start building this given the yes. buzz that they have today? Yes. You know, that will, that will kind of put things to rest or put into perspective where AEW truly is right now. Um, and where wrestling is overall, because I think what, you know, people have said, I think Meltzer said the, the industry itself has never been bigger. It's never been better. Something along those lines. Since the, Some people since, disagree with that. Since the attitude era, it has been better for the wrestlers. I, I would say it's better for the wrestlers. It's better for fans in terms of content because there's so much. It's better for fans because of situations like this. But I don't know if there is total across the world, if, if wrestling is as big as it once was during the Attitude Era because those numbers that they were putting up, the amount of people that were paying attention to pro wrestling, WCW and WWE at the time, they were competing with the NFL, like top brands, top companies. I don't know if we're at that point. I don't know if they're ever going to get to that point, but this is going to be the best chance for anybody other than WWE to get to that point. So we'll see where we end up. Yeah. Yeah, I I think first off, because you try to compare 20 years ago ratings to today, you it's it's too hard to go by just the television rating. Yeah. Even like even like a year ago, how much television has changed because of the pandemic. It's very hard to really say, oh, the audience is dropping or the audience is growing just by television ratings alone. I think you could look at arenas. Are our shows getting more and more filled out? And is it just WWE? Is it just WrestleMania? That's what we have to, to see once this pandemic's over. Will there be an increase in viewership? Will there be an increase in ticket sales? Will there be an increase in, you know, social media trends or Google trends? Exactly. That's what we need to yep. know. Right now, mm-hmm. I say for a wrestling fan, this is huge. For the industry as a whole, it's wait and see. And I think that's the right approach mm-hmm. here. If you like, I don't think this is right now. This moment is industry changing right now. It could be, but we got to wait and see. That's how I feel. Now, I know there's some people, I, I took it to the community page. There are some people that believe this was ch- uh, industry changing. And there's some that feel like it's a big deal, but wait and see. And I think there's some people that just think it's a big deal just to AEW fans, or there's some that just don't think it's a big deal at all. Six months, I think, is a good time, especially because that is the scheduled um, Madison Square Garden show for New Japan that got rescheduled. Now, if AEW's involved, that's a huge thing, to be the number two promotion in Vince's building, or at least was. I mean, now they could do Barclays, but... That's that's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's what time's going to tell. You know, I, I think right now, industry changing, because, I mean, going back before the pandemic, a lot of promotions, a lot of the promotions minus AEW were already kind of working together. Guys went from promotion to promotion. Guys went right. from Ring of Honor to New Japan. Uh, guys went from Impact to, you know, other promotions. So right. industry changing might be strong, 
Um, the potential to be industry stra- industry changing, I think, is right on the money. We just have to kind of see where this all ends up and how it plays out. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, it does culminate to a match with Kenny and and uh, Okada main eventing at, at MSG. That's realistic, mm-hmm. I think. Um, right. Unless you go right Obushi. now, just whoever, whoever. I, I mean, yeah, that's fine too. But I think right now, with it just being Kenta. And I'm not trying to diminish Kenta, but he's not the he's not, to to the average fan that might follow New Japan and watch AEW. I don't think he's the biggest name that they could have gotten, but right, it's it's still cool to see, right? And for the Ameri- the average American wrestling fan, not not the diehards, but like the casual quote unquote, most of them probably know him as just Hideo Itami. And for his limited yes. time in WWE, which was stricken with injuries, they don't know the Kenta that has done a pretty decent run right now in New Japan in the Bullet Club. So that's can they get that Hideo Itami mantra out and bring in this Kenta guy where he's actually much better than what they saw in WWE? That's where time also helps there. But mm-hmm. we talked about both shows. We talked about the ratings, Ralph. Which show is better in your mind? I think AEW was. AEW had the bigger moment. I always talk about this. They always have that moment that gets people talking, it seems like, or more times than not. Edge being there was cool. I'd love to see it. I thought Edge was fine. I thought he was great. I loved the face-offs he had. like the interaction between Escobar and Karrion Cross as well. Matches were okay, um, but it's much of the same for me. So um, I'm going to go with AEW. Yeah, I'm going to agree there. I mean, both had good matches. Both had buzzworthy moments that people could talk about afterwards. Uh, But like we said in the beginning, NXT is just a lot of focus on pro wrestling, whereas AEW is focusing on storylines. Now, I will admit, NXT was an entirely wrestling match this week. They were were doing some storyline stuff and storyline progression, and they did a good job with what they did. But, I mean... AW Dynamite just think did their storylines a little bit better. And obviously coming out with the moment that everyone's talking about with Kenta appearing on AEW. So I agree with you. AEW Dynamite gets the win here. Let us know what you guys think. Which show is better this week? AEW Dynamite or NXT? Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. Like this video, subscribe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.